we certainly ask during the, the sort of the interview process if they're comfortable and try and sort of get a, an understanding of the personality because it, it takes quite a lot of discipline to work uh, remotely and sort of from the comfort of your own home and we, we, we also make sure that everybody believes in the mission of the organization as well so we, we want to create this work from anywhere um, flexible sort of accessible to to anybody um, environment you are listening to the thriving empire podcast season four all about how to be a brilliant remote worker whether you're a seasoned remote worker you found yourself reluctantly working from home or you simply want to move from a co-located office role to one that is a hundred percent remote you're going to love this season We talk to the founders and leaders of remote teams who share with us their insights on the qualities, characteristics, skills, knowledge, and experience that enable you to be a brilliant remote worker. So if you want to know how to be the best at what you do in the remote work reality, you're going to love this season. I'm your host, Stephanie Holland, remote marketing strategist, traveler, coconut macaroon addict, and remote work style obsessed. Let's get started. Well, hey there, how are you? Today, I saw the biggest, fullest, brightest rainbow of my life. It was very cool. Uh, It was so, so amazing. And I guess that, well, rain isn't that bad after all, is it? And it kind of made getting drenched in a small storm (laughs) worth it. I've also spent the last couple of days learning how to use my new phone. And that is also totally awesome. I'm learning how to use these really new cool features of Android 10 because my previous phone was stuck on Android 9. That's not cool. Um, So it's really fun getting to know a new device and actually just downloading the apps I really want to have on my phone because I'm sure I had 50 apps that I never even used. And now I've got the eight apps that I really use every day and it makes my phone feel so much more purposeful. And actually, while I'm on that note of apps and things like that, I've also started broadcasting Thriving Empire updates from Telegram. So if you're over there at Thriving Empire Podcast and you'll receive updates about the episodes over there too. Okay, so remember last week's episode with Tim Lloyd from Worker? We talked about his vision for a sensible, flexible working world and how the Worker platform was actually built to help people to work together from anywhere. Well, this week on the show, we have another Workerite. His name's Matthew, Matthew Lloyd, not related to Tim, although they are rather brilliantly on the same wavelength as you'd expect from a team that knows how to work together from anywhere. He's the CXO, which means the Chief Experience Officer, and he was the third employee um, of of the worker team and now has he's the one with the most day-to-day contact with the team of 15 across four countries and three time zones because fun fact the canary islands are on the same time zone as the uk who knew i didn't i probably should have (laughs) but matthew and i spoke about how their culture and operations have changed from a team of three to a team of 15 what they want to hold on to as their distributed team grows, how they work together from anywhere using their own platform, the qualities they look for in new hires, and also how their interns who are still at university adapt to working together remotely from anywhere. And we talked about quite a lot more as well. Head over to stephanieholland.co forward slash 94 for the full show notes. And in the meantime, I hope you really enjoy it. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So let's hear your story about how you got into remote work. You kind of created your first remote role for yourself, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. So it was about five or six years ago when I was working as a a software 
consultant for a uh, an agency in Cardiff, in Wales. And my my lovely lady, um, she's from the Canary Islands. So she suggested maybe we could move to Gran Canaria. Um, so she twisted my arm. I thought the sunny beaches of Gran Canaria or the cold and wet beaches of Wales. I chose Gran Canaria. I uh, had a, a conversation with my MD at the time, and we did a little sort of job matrix, if you like, of what I could do and what I couldn't do whilst working remotely. Uh, as it transpired, it was 95% of the job I could do um, with a, a sort of a flights three or four times a year to go and visit uh, clients in person, face to face. So we had that conversation and I moved out here. And then we spent the next six months, I would say, sort of in trial and error and um, working out the best way to have the meetings and um, within the team. And I was I was a bit of a, a remote guinea pig, if you like, for the company, because once we managed to work out that, you know, we had to get better with asynchronous communication. If we're in a meeting, everybody had to be on the laptops. So we took that um, remote first approach, which we hadn't heard of at the time. Um, and then once I was settled in and it was all working for myself, um, we found that more of the team uh, were able to work remotely as well. Um, and I, I worked remotely for those for uh, about two years. And then I, I moved to a company uh, on the island, but I still worked from home, um, even though the office was here. Because it, uh, I, I did go to the office sort of once, twice a week in that hybrid um, format at the time, just because I, I enjoyed the work-life balance that I, I have at home. I've got a little dog. I was able to go to the beach in the morning, go for a swim, take my dog for a walk, and then come back, and I, I'd start work. And then uh, I discovered Worker, which changed my life immensely, and uh, especially when it comes to, to working remotely, where you sometimes feel the need, and you, you end up working longer hours than you, you perhaps should do, um, where you're trying to prove yourself. There's that psychological aspect to it there. Um, but when I when I found work and I started working at Worker back in June last year, I was the, the third person in the door. Um, it allowed me to sort of switch on in the morning when I logged into the office. And then in the evening when I logged out, I was able to, to sort of switch off, take the dog for a walk, debrief with some friends. And yeah, that's that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Back to the conversation you had with your um, MD at that first role. Um, what was the 5% that you couldn't do remotely? Was that referring to the three to four times where you needed face-to-face -face client contact or was that referring to something else? Yeah, it was the, the three or four sort of times a year I had to fly back where it was essential really to, to have client contact and for sort of the, the AGMs um, where it was a, a team gathering. Um, but the majority of it, we, you know, everything is online. We're a software company. So if we couldn't work out how to use digital tools to work remotely as a, a company that builds software, we, 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 were, we were in trouble, really. 
Absolutely. And I loved how you, you mentioned that there was a sort of six-month period of trial and error, which I, which I think is really interesting. And that really is the way that co-located companies first think of it when they're transitioning. Um, but, but really, even re- remote-first remote companies are in a constant state of experimenting and evolving. There's no sort of fixed place that you stay at, is there? And, and certainly with my conversation with uh, you previously and also Tim and, and other remote-first leaders, it, there is this acknowledgement that you have have to experiment and continuously evolve to stay relevant and to stay up to date with with what work life integration looks like for your company and for your team and yet for co-located companies this is actually quite scary yeah absolutely i think you, you mentioned sort of there the sort of work life integration and how to constantly evolve I, I often sort of look at it and for us it was sort of that um adoption chasm where if you sort of look at sort of Roger's sort of adoption chasm, there was that moment where there was that sort of six-month period where we were just trying to experiment and work in ways in which we could work together uh, more collaboratively, more transparent and more seamlessly. Um, and it, it never really changed, as you, as you sort of rightly said, there. It's a constant involvement because people move about, time zones are different, um, and it's... It, it's to, I think for for us and for myself, certainly at Worker with the team here, um, it's about getting the right blend of uh, asynchronous sort of documentation and then being able to have those synchronous moments where it's not forced through a meeting agenda, where you can have a little spontaneity and creativity and that banter which comes in, which allows you to, to get to know the team really on a personal level before you actually sort of meet up um, face-to-face, which, I mean, we, we as a company, we haven't met up face-to-face yet. Um, I feel very fortunate that we've all seen to have taken to it like a, a duck to water, if you like. And you mentioned you were the, f- uh, the third person to join the team, so I'm assuming that was you joining Tim and Anil. And you're now uh, a team of around 15 people. So I'm very curious, how has the culture and operations um, evolved from three people to 15 people? Has it happened in certain identifiable shifts? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I mean, we we started sort of taking on, We initially we brought in somebody to do the social media, um, a little bit of marketing and somebody for the UX, um, the UI aspect of it, as long as, as well as the, the existing development team. Um, so the, the idea of sort of bringing in everybody else, there's certainly been uh, a leveling off in terms of the um, sort of hierarchy in the, in the company where we, we have an open door policy. We don't really feel like we, we have any kind of a hierarchy. Um, and when we're onboarding the team members, we make sure that everybody meets everybody um, before they start, um, which is quite easy to do when we're in the office and they're being interviewed because they just pop into the room and have a chat with everybody. Um, there's definitely a consensus uh, amongst the team as well um, before we bring somebody in. So we, we make sure that they've spoken to the whole, the whole team. Um, however, I can see sort of as we're growing um, that that will change slightly because I can't imagine uh, when you get past sort of 15 to, to 20 then you might not have the ability to, to have everybody sort of chat to them all at the, the same time so I think the 
the, the change in culture will sort of come as we grow beyond 15. But um, currently, everybody sort of seems to slot in well. And we, we certainly ask during the, the sort of the interview process if they're comfortable and try and sort of get a, an understanding of the personality. Because it, it takes quite a lot of discipline to work uh, remotely and sort of from the comfort of your own home. And we, we, we also make sure that everybody believes in the mission of the organisation as well. So we, we want to create this work from anywhere, um, flexible, sort of accessible to, to anybody um, environment. And I know you've got a couple of interns as well now um, working in your team. How have they adapted to remote work? If I'm honest, they, they don't seem to have thought any different. It's, it's as if this, this has been the norm for them. So they've, they've come in, they've hit the ground running, they've had an incredible impact on the business already. Um, the, the tools that we use is second nature to them. So speaking on videos, you know, documenting conversations, it's, it's, it's almost as if they've been doing it all their lives. Um, and it's, it's, it's very impressive, considering how long it took me to sort of transfer uh, my skills and move over to a remote working uh, style. Uh, I did actually think it would take a little bit longer, but it, as, it, as it transpires, they, they just knew what they were doing, took it on board, and they're very happy. It is incredible. And um, as you know, I've spoken to Helena as well. <laughs> yes. And uh, she's just a hoot. So much enthusiasm for working while at university and some really great ways to keep her work-life balance, stay really organized and everything. So I'm really looking forward to publishing that show as well. But you, you've, you've spoken a little bit about onboarding, sort of what happens before is everybody meets everybody. And then, you know, the onboarding process is all about, you know, making sure everyone feel, feels comfortable with the work style, with the, the way of working, that the, the business vision and, you know, just enjoying how um, flexible and how, how much freedom they can have. So when you're hiring, what sort of qualities are you looking for in people that you're, you're who are joining the team? The first one um, that we we sort of look for is we, we send off and we ask them to do a, a video, sort of one minute video presentation. That gives us a, a fairly clear uh, idea of if they're comfortable being in, in front of the camera because um, that's pretty much how we work. But in terms of sort of the qualities, we're, we're just looking for somebody that's it's got a bit of get up and go. Um, we, we're a small organisation. We're not sort of able to have that career path that you might have with an enterprise organisation. So we're, we're looking for that sort of entrepreneurial spirit as well. So if, if somebody's sort of contacted us directly through LinkedIn or, or other social Facebook or other social media platforms, and they really sort of... Um, created that relationship prior to us uh, getting in touch with them, then that always helps as well to, to give us the realisation that they have that discipline and the entrepreneurial spirit um, to be able to work um, in sort of this sort of co-located location independent um, framework. And you've got your team scattered sort of or spread across, uh, I think it's the UK, Spain, India, and Italy. And I know that you have this sort of um, ritual in the morning of everybody sort of logs in sometime around, you know, 9, 9.30 and 10 o'clock. 
and you sort of get chatting and and you said that what this creates is a kind of very kind of fluid, very flexible way of connecting with people that isn't necessarily scheduled or planned throughout the day. Um, so you, you kind of got this, this great way of, of connecting. And I know that one of the reasons that Worker was created was to maintain, help maintain the human connection between teams while you're working either uh, remotely or in, in different parts of the same building. What do you think has changed for you as a team using the product that you're also creating? For me, the, the morning conversation is probably the most important part of the day um, where we do get to connect uh, as sort of human beings, if you like, rather than sort of you're not quite in work mode yet and you're able to sort of chat about what you watched on TV last night, you're having a cup of tea, and then that rolls into what's the plan for the day. So we, we almost sort of combine that morning kind of a scrum type meeting, if you like, with sort of conversation, what you did last night, what you watched on TV, what you watched on Netflix, and then move that into, OK, so what's the plan for the day? Um, where are you going to be working today? This, You've got a project to plan. OK, you're going to be in that space. You've got this project to plan you're moving into that space. So we work, we use that morning routine to also plan uh, how the team will be um, split in that day as well, according to what projects they will, they, they're working on together. I really love this idea of connecting in pre-work mode. <laughs> that is super. And I, I think that there, there you go. There you have the foundation for the human connection. And I know that you um, talk about your dogs and cats names and your favorite foods. And you have this really kind of fun office banter going on. And, and you've talked about, you know, how you're, you're currently this, this small team of 15. But you will be growing, I think, quite a lot very soon with, with everything that's happening in your business. What are you um, maybe not worried about or what, what are you concerned about maintaining as your team grows? There's one particular aspect that I'm, I'm concerned about. It's every day I make a point of having a touch point with every single person on the team, um, whether that's sort of within after the morning, because we're all chatting in the morning, but then you never know sort of how somebody's feeling beyond that. Um, so every day I make a point of reaching out and contacting one of the team, sort of how are you, grabbing them for two minutes, just to have a, a com just to have a, a little chat, um, just sort of on a one-on-one -on -one basis, if you like. Um, and I, I'm a bit concerned that once we start growing, um, I won't have the time to be able to do that. So I, I think there's there's the element of that one-on-one -on -one time that I, I managed to grab sort of a minute, two minutes uh, every day. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't like to see that disappear. Um, however, I, I'm in constant sort of planning mode in my head about having somebody else within the team that will be able to, to take that on. So there's sort of two or three of us perhaps that will be able to have that personal interaction with the team to continue, not just the culture, but it, it's as much about how you're feeling in work, that's one thing, how you're feeling outside of work, and that's what's most important to myself, um, to Arnel and Tim, and to, and to Worker as well. Um, we, we, we want people to love working at Worker, 
And in order to live working and worker, you have to have a nice balance between your work and your personal life. And if your personal life isn't quite on track, then we want to know that because we, we want to know if there's something we can do to help. And I'm I'm overly cautious probably about maintaining that, that culture within the organization as we move forward into a, a larger company. It's true. I think from having spoken to three of you now, I think the work-life integration piece is, is so important and specific to worker and probably um, really sort of underpins the vision you have for what the platform can be for other businesses and companies in helping them maintain that strong connection with their people. So I'm really, um, I'd love to check in with you as you grow and see how this is changing for you. But um, other than that, what would you say would be um, some of the other challenges that you've faced in the last couple of years of building um, a, a, a remote uh, team? Yeah, of course. So there's always the, 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 I think, the constant challenge of ensuring and training everybody on how to document and how to write sort of the, the documentation properly for asynchronous communication, because it is really important um, when you're working in this way to have that documentation correct. And when you're you're sort of just setting up um, the team, and we, we certainly sort of not sort of struggle, but it was something that we realized that we, we weren't particularly amazing at at the start, and we're still not phenomenal now, but we're getting there. And it's it's part of the journey where when you bring in, sort of we've got a, a, a wide array of languages in the organization, culture, time zones, um, it's, it, it's key to have that balance between sort of asynchronous and synchronous communication. And we're very good at the synchronous, but the asynchronous side we need to improve. And I think we're, we're just sort of probably at the very early stages of that journey of um, creating a, a team that is experienced and, and is able to create the, the sort of the documentation required to work in this way. And it, it's a skill that you, you, you need to sort of be taught, I think, is not something you can just be automatically phenomenal at. Yeah, Natasha Vorobyova mentioned the importance of high-quality documentation, and, and we both kind of agree that that's even important just even when you're a company of two people, because if that's really strong and solid in place when you've got a really tiny team, then as it grows, then you're kind of ready for your team to grow with you. Yeah, absolutely. So your remote working experience has, has obviously um, grown in the last couple of years, your, your th three specific roles you've had, and it has changed a lot. And, and you're seeing this new wave of, of grads sort of flooding the market who are just completely native to this whole idea of, you know, working wherever works, as you guys like to um, express it. Um, are you getting any sort of clues or intuition about how it'll, it'll really change in the near future as we live in a, a much more net worked world yeah it's it's interesting it's a, it's a good question Stephanie I, I can only sort of give you the feedback of what I I receive from the the customers I speak with um, really and it's it's very much the the attitude that I've I've noticed and it's, it's quite refreshing actually if I'm truthful about it where they they definitely are sort of taking on board this is the new way of working 
Um, we will be giving the team the choice. So if the team if the if the team wants to work from home, they'll say you can work from home. If you want to work from anywhere, you can work from anywhere. But if you feel more comfortable coming into the office, then we will have an office environment for you. And the majority of the the organisations I speak with, um, bearing bearing in mind that I I would sort of caveat that with the fact that they have a an office with us with worker a workspace with us at worker so they probably are quite enlightened and forward thinking and, and innovative in the way that they're looking at the future of work um, but it certainly seems that that is the the way that organizations are thinking about it more as sort of an employee centric uh, decision making process where the, the employees, the teams can decide where they want to work, how they want to work, and if they want to come into the office or if they want to work from a workspace uh, such as Worker, um, then they can have the choice of living where they want. Um, and it's sort of down to the employee or down to the team member, really. It really is a fabulous new world. And, you know, it, d despite all this and how much I love working remotely, I still wouldn't give up or trade my co-located co experience from my 20s because I, I really enjoyed it and it was just it was just part of the experience at the time. Um, I intermingled it with remote experiences, but I still really loved my commute because I wrote two books on my commute. <laughs> so wow. I see all these links on um, all, all these posts on LinkedIn saying, oh, in, the average adult has wasted 40,000 hours on their commute. And I just think, well, they should have done something interesting and purposeful <laughs> on their commute. But no, I, I love this brave new world and I love hearing people's people's um just ideas about how this is going to change life for so many people and how this is going to enable so many businesses that that wouldn't have previously been able to even start because they didn't have the funding to hire the best people from around the world um and a great example of that is uh Lorraine Charles who has founded and kick-started a social enterprise with no funding because she was able to assemble an ad hoc team remotely so I think yeah. this is opening up so many amazing opportunities but what advice do you have for someone who wants to be a better or a brilliant remote worker my overall advice would be get into a routine you do need a routine um, you can't sort of look at it as um, you can sort of flit in and, and flit out you do need to stick to routine it's it's okay sort of flitting in and flitting out if you're sort of working maybe as a, a freelancer perhaps and um, where you have these sort of small contracts where that works for you but if you're working full-time then you do need to have a routine and that routine doesn't have to be nine till five it can be anything but there has to be for me anyway a routine and my routine is I wake up in the morning I go for a swim I walk the dog I come home I log into the workspace speak with the team and at the end of the day I log out Take, take the dog for a walk and that's my sort of debrief I'm finishing work for the day and I think without that you do without that you'll, you'll stand a, a very good chance of suffering from a bit of uh, burnout um, so the, the routine is definitely needed even even though you know it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's nine till five or ten till six or eight hours a day as long as you get the work done and you'll uh, sort of know what you're doing then you'll be okay. 
That's a brilliant segue into next week's episode with Helena, who tells us how she organizes her work, study, life balance, and um, how she plans her, her days and weeks. So thank you for that. I'm also such a creature of habit, and I couldn't live without my routine. And I think as soon as you find one or create one that really aligns with you in the moment, then you're really set. So Matthew, how do people find out more about you or get in touch with you rather and, um, and find out more about Worker? Yeah, of course. So you can go to the website, um, which is www.worker.io, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Matthew Lloyd, or you can more than happy for you to drop me an email, which is Matthew with two T's at worker, W-U-R-K-R.io. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on the show. No problem, Stephanie. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Empire. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me. Now, if you're not subscribed already, head over to stephanieholland.co, that's C-O, and sign up right on the page so that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I have a favor to ask you. Would you rate and review it on iTunes, please? Just search Thriving Empire on iTunes. Click subscribe, then ratings and reviews, and you'll be asked to give it a star rating and a quick sentence or two on what you think about it and what you think about me. Now, this will really help other people find it too so that more people can build their career and create the life they really want simultaneously. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week and see you next time on Thriving Empire.